0: Ready to get charged up? Visit the Downtown Kia EV Discovery Centre, Canada's newest Kia dealer located on 8th and Berard in beautiful Vancouver, British Columbia, and home to the electric vehicle experts. Learn all about Kia's cutting-edge EV technology and discover all the benefits of going electric. Contact Downtown Kia today at downtownkia.com to arrange a test drive, and they'll even bring the test drive to your front door. Book your test drive or shop safely online 24-7 at downtownkia.com. That's downtownkia.com. Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. When we launched this podcast last year, the topic of electric vehicle batteries was one I wanted to explore, particularly in terms of what will happen to these battery packs when they degrade to the point of no longer being effective. It took a while, but we finally found just the person to talk about this so called end of life management phase of an EV battery. Jeff Hultrek is a battery industry veteran who currently works out of the Toronto office of the nonprofit company called Call to Recycle, a leader in battery recycling in North America that is working hard to create a network to tackle the daunting task of ensuring these batteries do not end up in landfills. I know you'll enjoy my talk with Jeff. Before we get to that interview and some off-the-top EV news, a clarification on some comments I made in the last episode. In the news item about a UK engineering company's research into battery cooling technologies, I failed to make clear that the nuclear fusion foundation that technology is based on is of a theoretical nature. As a few listeners rightfully pointed out, nuclear fusion is a concept, not a reality at this point. I'd like to thank them for reaching out with that correction. Now to this week's EV news. Vancouver's Tesla community was abuzz last week with the first Canadian delivery of the highly anticipated Model Y. The Tesla Owners Club of British Columbia threw a party in celebration of the event, which was chronicled on Instagram and starred the family of three who became the proud owners of the blue Model Y. And yes, they were all wearing masks at the party at the Vancouver Tesla store. The West Coast City is a big market for the EV maker, responsible for many of the 4,000 plus Canada-wide sales of the Model 3 in Q1 of this year alone. Don't expect the Model Y crossover to reach that kind of sales stratosphere, however, as its base price of $76,000 puts it above qualification for any of the federal and provincial EV rebates currently available. The Model 3 base model is strategically priced at $49,999, a loony under the federal government and BC government thresholds for incentive programs. It's exciting to see this new Tesla model finally on city streets, though given the economic slowdown and its impact on new vehicle sales, it's unlikely the Model Y will become as ubiquitous as the Model 3 is across Greater Vancouver. Earlier this week, the International Energy Agency reported that 2019 saw a 60% jump in the number of public charging stations across the globe, the biggest increase in three years. By year's end, the IEA said there were 862,118 public charging stations, with 60% of those in China. Of that global total, 31% were fast charging stations. Public charging infrastructure is cited as critical to electric vehicle adoption, particularly in dense urban areas where there is less opportunity for private charging at home. In terms of those private charge points, the report estimated that by the end of 2019, there were 6.5 million in operation. Closer to home and staying on the public charging station topic, last week Electrify Canada announced the opening of nine fast charging stations in British Columbia in the coming months. That rollout started last month with the company's official debut in Western Canada with a station in the interior town of Merritt. The stations will be positioned along the Trans-Canada Highway and Highways 97 and 99 and include locations in Abbotsford, Hope, Golden, Kamloops, Kelowna, Revelstoke, Salmon Arm and Squamish. The BC stations are among 32 locations across four provinces planned for the company's first phase of development. Electrify Canada's first charging station opened in the Toronto area last fall, and each station offers four or more chargers and power levels ranging from 50 kilowatts up to 350 kilowatts. Okay, let's talk batteries. Jeff Haltrek is a battery industry veteran who, for the past eight years, has been with Call to Recycle, North America's leading environmental company focused on the end-of-life management of batteries and related devices. Over the course of the last 25 years, the nonprofit has overseen the recycling of 72.6 million kilograms of batteries. Call to Recycle has offices in Vancouver, Toronto, Montreal, and Atlanta. Prior to working with Call to Recycle, Jeff oversaw Energizer and Railvax businesses in Canada. It's a real pleasure to have you with us today, Jeff.
1: Yeah, thank you, Andrew. Really looking forward to talking about uh, EV batteries, EV cars.
0: Yeah, it's, you know, we're midway through season two now, and I haven't really had a battery expert on, and it was at the top of my list when I, when I came up with the idea for this podcast. So it's taken a while, but um, I know my listeners are going to learn a lot from you today.
1: Cool. All
0: right, let's do it. So uh, a question I ask all my guests, what was the first electric vehicle you drove?
1: Ooh, um, BMW i3. Uh, nice. and and that was late 2000 or yeah late 2019
0: and, and what was your impression of it
1: yeah sure the, you know the first the first thing literally you're looking at it and you're like you know i love cars and i love driving and i'm looking at the size of the wheels and and the width is so narrow i'm like how is this thing going to hold on the corners and anyway you get into it and your first physical impression is the the get up and go is phenomenal uh, i like off the start you're like, wow, this is going to be fun. And then I was um, looking for any tire slippage on the corners that I worried about, and there is none. And then quickly, all that goes away. And then you're like, so focused on the road and the car and the quietness. And you, it, it was just a different experience. And I was like, you know what, this is going to be an interesting uh, evolution for all of us drivers who like stick shift and hearing the engine. Um, I, I'm ready. I don't
0: own one personally, but uh, I could see it coming. And obviously, you've kind of had a a, a a bit of a pun, the driver's seat of batteries uh, for twenty for a long time for your whole career. It sounds like it. So, um, could you tell us a little about Culture Recycles' kind of current role, specifically as it applies to electric vehicle batteries?
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, you know, so the organization is a not-for-profit. Uh, we represent over four hundred companies uh, across uh, North America. And we handle the end of life battery management for them. So, you know, historically, when you go back to 1994, when it started in Atlanta or 97 in Toronto, um, it was household batteries. And then we moved into hearing aid batteries, uh, power tools, cell phone, laptops. So that fast forwards us to today. And right now, the organization is taking back EV batteries um, in, in initial quantities. We have worked with uh, a couple of the scooter companies and their end-of-life uh, needs for their batteries once the scooter is no longer good for ride-sharing. And uh, back in February, we announced uh, the first North American program for electric bicycle battery recycling, which will start January 1st, 2021. Um, so, you know, for us as an organization, this is a natural evolution. When you, when you go back two years ago, our board took a look at this and, and decided um, it's the right next move. But it's a long-term move. We all have to be honest that today we're talking about less than 2% of vehicles are EV. They have a minimum eight-year battery life at today's um, you know, chemistries. And so you know, our co-organization is taking a 10 to 20-year view right now as we move ourselves into this new space.
0: So when you talk about end-of-life management, recycling, is it like just a physical breaking down of the battery pack? Could you explain how that works?
1: There's a multiple prong answer to that. Um, and, and, you know, if, if you let me um, here, you know, end of life management is a broad statement that says, what what are you going to do with the battery once it comes out of a vehicle? And you have multiple choices. You could um, go to refurbishing, which is the act of taking a battery part, pack apart into its modules and cells, testing the cells or the, the modules, and then getting it, the bad ones out, putting new ones in. And then you could resell it on the market as a used EV battery or sell it as a power storage unit. Um, so that, that's one avenue. Another avenue is can you um, process it? And there's a couple of different ways of processing pyrometallurgical uh, or hydrometallurgical. They have different benefits uh, to each one. And then the output of that could go two ways. One, it could go into consumer goods, uh, thing, things like um, uh, sporting equipment, for example, or appliances. It can also go into asphalt or cement. Then um, hydrometallurgical, the output can go right back into brand new batteries that we put into brand new cars, which is highly, highly exciting.
0: When we look at an electric vehicle battery, as you say, kind of a minimum eight-year life, eight year lifespan, at What I mean, what is the percentage of a battery um, power that, that kind of is a drop-off for, a, for an electric vehicle? Is it 80%, 50%? I mean, is there a, is there a hard and fast number for that?
1: No hard fast, but there is a range, you know, 70% is the number that we talk about. And the range could be, you know, 65, 60 on the low end, it could be 75. So it depends on the chemistry inside and the um, the manufacturer of the OMEM and the batteries and how they put their battery management software together.
0: Uh, one thing that's always interests me about this is obviously when these, lo- these batteries can be taken out and then, then used elsewhere, um, I mean, people say maybe in their, their your cottage or your cabin you could have it have one of these things powering things, and at sixty percent, it's still a pretty powerful battery for those kind of applications. It is,
1: and we're going to get to that in society. I, I know already you know a few individuals who um, have bought some of the Tesla power walls and, and are using them to power their primary or secondary house. I do believe we will get to a point where we're going to take um, used EVs at, you know batteries out of cars, we're going to um, turn them into a good power storage unit and we'll have it in our homes. But I also have read some really interesting articles about it powering um, streets. So it'll be in, built into the road and it might power the lights, for example, that uh, light up a, a street. I, I think a lot of this technology is going to evolve and it's the balance between the um, battery and the software managing the battery that will
0: allow this. I mean, certainly one of the knocks against EVs from the, the many critics of them uh, are the use of these or these batteries ending up in landfills. But it sounds like what your company and your partners are working towards is making sure that doesn't happen.
1: We would like it not to happen. Uh, I mean, there's number one safety here. Um, lithium batteries do have a thermal threshold high, but when one gets there, the fires are extreme. You can't have a little fire, um, a little campfire. This thing is big, so dangerous. We need to take real good safety measures, which is always number uh, number one here.
0: And And the partners that you do have, could you give us a kind of idea who they are or what industries they are in is it is it oems is it uh you know is it is it car dealerships i mean who who are you dealing with in in this world
1: yeah it, so Colorate cycle is a is a bit of an integrator or a coordinator we, we pull together the uh, the various players in the industry and then we coordinate the the battery movement so who are we working with on the processor side and sorter side there, there's nine major sorters and processors across north america and we work with them all, depending on chemistry. So you know, companies could be retrieve, it could be Lifecycle, cycle, it could be lithium, and those are all lithium-based um, processors. But battery solutions is another one. In um, Metco is another one. Um, they're, they're, uh, RMc in here in Ontario is a good one. They they're all excellent organizations with their own unique specialties. Um, on the on the OEM side, um, th- this is really exciting because. The OEMs, number one, have to tackle how to make a car, uh, EV car profitable. Uh, per McKinsey, in a, in a publication that they had last year, the average EV loses $12,000 for an OEM. So their number one priority is how to make it profitable. An offshoot of that is what do I do with the battery after my warranty's expired? And we are talking with uh, a few of the OEMs right now about how to document and create a cost model for EV end of life um the, uh, there's a couple other players um in in the industry there's for uh, everledger's another one that does traceability of batteries and they've signed an agreement with Ford and I've spoken with everledger and I'm very impressed with their their capabilities um and then the the one area that has not been tackled yet but I I know we will get to that is the shipping container um these EVs have to move in a fire retardant container and there are a few of them out there, but they need to be tested and figured out how to um, be made more widespread. It
0: sounds like you have uh, a lot going on in different facets of this uh, ever-expanding world.
1: Yes, thank you. It, you know, this is the exciting part. Um, you know, you talk, we talk about the word innovation. What does it really mean? It, it's about people coming together and solving for something that doesn't exist. Uh, EV, lithium batteries were invented in the 90s and, and uh, fine tuned over the uh, the 2000s and up till now uh, but what doesn't exist is a network to pull these batteries out of market and get them into a second life or a repurpose and so there's some really cool people i'm talking to who are putting systems yeah. in this place. is obviously
0: a north american footprint that you're dealing with um, i mean are there other areas on the in the world that that are kind of ahead of this or or are you taking cues are you working with other global players in this
1: uh, so you're absolutely right. Uh, you you got to break the world down into its continents to, to solve these because those solutions will be continent wide. So China is quite advanced in that area. And I'm also very impressed with Europe, particularly Europe, because they, um, China got ahead on EV technology and now they're the leaders in propulsion in that area. The EU said that uh, we do not want to fall behind and they've quickly assembled a, a really good network of companies to put themselves both on the EV manufacturing side, but also on the, the processing side. So I personally am taking cues from there as I read the output of their articles or talk to some of their associations. Um, North America would be the third um, at this point, And our intention is to help get um, North America up to speed to be on par with where Europe's going, particularly on the end of life battery management side.
0: How much do governments, uh, you know, at the, at the municipal, provincial and federal levels play a part in what you're doing?
1: I, I believe a huge
0: part. Huge. Uh,
1: and, and they're in existence here. So the Canadian government, federal government, has an initiative out of Natural Resources Canada. Um, they, they, they assess the market um, really well done. I read their white paper and now they're looking at how to, to um, incentivize the industry to, to make it happen, both from a mining all the way to a processing end uh, on the battery side and the EV side. Um, provincially, Quebec is has a really nice closed-loop uh, program, and it's fronted by Proposition Quebec, a not-for-profit set up by the, uh, the government to help coordinate a full infrastructure. Um, I know British Columbia is active. Um, the government is active and I've heard from some of their ministries. And then when you look at the United States... Um, It's a little different. The federal government in the United States of today is not looking at EV as a viable alternative. Um, But statewide, there is um, initiatives in that place, starting with California. And I'm highly encouraged with where California will go. Uh, You know, if we look at climate change, uh, it it is a reality. And one of the ways to um, help get us back on track with the temperature of the world is by having the fleets convert to, to EV. And I think we only have to look at COVID-19 and the impact of us staying in our houses as to the drop um, in, uh, in smog in some of the major
0: cities. Yeah, for sure. No, no question. It's a, it's a tough way to learn that lesson, but uh, I hope we when we do go back uh, to normal, I hope we take that lesson and, and take it to heart and, and put some firm action into place. Is it time for a new car? Or is your vehicle in need of maintenance or servicing? BC's new car dealers have provided an essential service during the COVID-19 pandemic, and with input from WorkSafe BC, have established a strict code of health and safety guidelines for its dealer members to follow to protect the health of customers and staff. Now, as we enter the next phase of BC's economic recovery, many dealerships have also adopted online purchasing options, including 24-hour test drives in which vehicles are dropped off at customers' front doors. For more information, visit newcardealers.ca. So, um, another mandate of, of your of your company is um, something you, that you refer to as the social responsibility surrounding batteries. Yeah, for sure, and
1: and yes, it, it, this is important.
0: I think it, you know for our company for sure, but I think it's important for everyone who buys
1: an EV to to know this. Um, you know, when when you look at some of the research papers being published globally from um, some of the scientists and engineers, you start to realize that um, Canada and the United States were developed nations and were devi- driving highly sophisticated EV vehicles. But the power from that comes from developing countries and the impact is significant. So, I, you know, Wired, um, Wired published in 2018 a piece here that said Chile Solar de Atacama, um, the region there was using 65% of the water of that region to mine the batteries. And then if you look at a 15-year period from 2000 to 2015, supposedly 21% of the water uh, was extracted from the Atacama Desert region when you compare what you have today to what you had before. And so so why is that happening? It's because to get a ton of lithium takes 1,900 tons of water. That ratio is just crazy. So let's come back to social responsibility. Um, You know, we as a developed country, we need to take our used batteries and we need to process them and turn them back into brand new batteries to go into cars. And when you do that, um, the the stat that I've seen here from NatCam is that 28 tons of used batteries will produce a ton of new batteries. So you're roughly talking about 250 um, vehicle batteries coming off the road can turn that back into a ton of lithium, which makes new batteries. And if we could do that domestically, we we will reduce our need for developing countries to use up things like water. Uh, you know, so but we can't stop. Let's also be honest, if the developed world does not get to EVs, we don't move towards reducing climate change. So we have to move in that direction, but we have to do it responsibly.
0: Yeah. And I guess, as you know, that figure you, you, you mentioned about how OEMs claim to lose $12,000 per EV, certainly the, in recycling the vehicles, there's, a, there's a, a, a lower cost or a recoup cost for them. Yes.
1: Yeah. You'll be able to get, um, you know, as the, car, as the vehicles get recycled, in particular, the OEMs are looking at the battery and how can the battery generate some money at the end of its life that'll fit it into the puzzle of how you get a, a car, an EV car to break even with a internal combustion engine car.
0: I mean, obviously, as I sent, mentioned at the top in your bio there, um, you have extremely long range knowledge of batteries uh, from, from personal devices now into EV cars. I mean, where do you see the lithium ion batteries going? Um, is there, I know there's research into other, chemistries. Um, what What are you hearing? I mean, what, what's your gut tell you about where we'll be maybe with EV batteries in five years, let's say?
1: For sure. Uh, you know, what I like about um, EV batteries is that it's evolutionary versus revolutionary. Uh, if, if you go back to 1991, lithium and cobalt were being mixed together. And today that's used in mobile phones, laptops or uh, digital cameras, for example. Uh, if you fast forward to earlier this week, um, Cattle, which is a, a Chinese battery manufacturer, they announced a 2,000 kilometer battery uh, with a 16-year life. Um, like that, that's highly impressive. Um, to be able to get to that, and that too is going to help with keeping batteries out of the landfill. They do talk about a 10% price premium, which kind of makes makes sense. I I don't think we're going to have something that's revolutionary. I think you're going to find variations of what can you mix with nickel in what percentage, sorry, what can you mix with lithium in what percentages um, combined with how the cars are designing their aerodynamics and where they're going to be used. That'll get batteries to have
0: uh, a longer life. You don't see us getting away from lithium because I mean, obviously like anything, it's a finite mineral. And if, you know, we're going to be all driving EVs by 2050 as the goal seems to be, it seems to be where is that lithium going to come
1: from? I, I think lithium is going to be it for the next 15 to 25 years because there's so much investment has been put into lithium because it is a good uh, mineral right now. It's a fantastic mineral. Um, and the, the, the industry has to recoup their investment first and foremost. Um, and that, that is going to easily span the next 15 to 25 years. Um, but there, there, are other, there will be others that I have little doubt will come because we as a society, we're an innovative group of people. And, and I'm sure that something else will come, but
0: it's not on the radar for this next wave of EV cars. Right. I mean, there are exciting programs. I mean, Tor- Toyota's always been talking about the solid state battery for, for their vehicles, which we haven't really seen yet, but it, the whole industry has to move together. You think about infrastructure that's going to be
1: put in place, charging networks, plugs, sizes, the industry has to adopt. And what's happened here and, and let's credit Tesla for um, kickstarting a, a huge wave here is uh, lithium. And, and now the, the industry will adopt lithium. At some point, the industry will adopt something else, but then we all have to move the whole infrastructure in that direction.
0: But I guess the, the recycling program that you're, that you're putting in place would still just deal with the batteries regardless of what kind of chemistry would be in it. What, you're, what you guys are essentially doing is laying a kind of foundation for moving forward for the next three or four decades.
1: Yeah, for sure. I mean, you, you know, you go back to the other technologies, carbon zinc and uh, alkaline, which is still being used by Duracell and Energizer. Um, we we process all those technologies and chemistries, and it's exciting now when you look at like lithium, uh, sorry, lithium nickel cobalt aluminum mixture. That too will be processed in the same network.
0: And you know, just getting back to that program you you your company launched in February, the e bike and e scooter recycling program. I mean, that seems really you know, timely. Uh, I live in Vancouver with lots of Hills and it is astounding how many electric bicycles are out there now.
1: Yes. The, the timing is good. Uh, you know, our data says that 40,000 e-bikes were sold in Canada in 2019. Um, us hit 400,000 in 2018 growing at 70%. So the timing is right. I've spoken to all the major OEMs personally on the phone and, um, It's refreshing because they all know that they need to deal with the batteries at end of life, and the timing was right both for us arriving with this program, plus the demand being there, and um, so this this will come together. And and starting January first, twenty twenty one, consumers who have EV uh, sorry bike batteries will be able to bring them back to where they purchased it, and we will process it responsibly.
0: Right, and will that be again? Some will be broken down, but some will be refurbished to be resold as bike batteries?
1: You know, I think in the early years, it's all going to be uh, processed. Uh, The batteries are small, like the battery packs are small versus a car battery. And um, there's not a big enough infrastructure in place to take individual e-bike batteries apart and make something new um, out of it. Um, I mean, so far, I've heard of one operation in California doing that. I think what you'll see is they'll get processed until there's a big network for EV cars. And at that point, I wouldn't be surprised if one or two companies say, hey, send me your e-bike batteries, too. What we have to remember here, Andrew, and for the audience, is that you can't just mix and match chemistries. Um, If if one battery has no aluminum in it and another battery does, you can't put them together in a new pack. You have to keep the chemistries common. And for that, you need a decent supply of light chemistries to remake a new battery pack. That'll come, but it's not there today.
0: Yeah, I almost see in the future, little, you know, individual small business owners setting up little businesses to convert these things, you know, taking the, the broken down product and reassembling them and selling them themselves.
1: Yes, I, that's what I love about North America, about Canada, is that we're entrepreneurial. And yes, there will be a lady and a gentleman who will do that. And that'll be great.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I just want to, it's been great talking to you. I just have a question that I ask all my guests at the end um, is, is, you know, we always hear about this tipping point for EVs. What is going to be the tipping point? Have we reached the tipping point? I mean, in your mind, what is the metric that is a tipping point? Is it sales? Is it, is it, you know, charging infrastructure? What do you, what do you think on that?
1: Yeah, To me, the tipping point was 2017 when a million EVs sold worldwide. That was the point that OEMs and their suppliers realized that this is now going to go mainstream. And they started in their strategic plans, putting plans in place to bring vehicles forward. What we're seeing as is, is, uh, buyers of the cars um, and all these things with infrastructure and charging, this is all happening because the, the OEM said, here's how many cars are coming to market. And when you look at 2021, uh, 22, 23, 25, in that period, there's over 400 new vehicles coming to market that are going to have um, like a battery as a form of propulsion. So you
0: got to go back to 2017 for that tipping point. And now we're going to ride it for the next 15 to 25 years. Yeah, it's an exciting time. It's kind of, I know COVID has kind of put the brakes on a lot of things. And and for me, that's one of the frustrations is all these as you say, there were, there were a handful of really exciting new EVs that, were, that should be here by now or in the coming months, but it sounds like everything's been pushed back maybe three months, six months. So I guess we just have to be patient.
1: Yes. Yeah, you're right. Things got pushed back. Cash flow was a number one priority during COVID uh, for the OEMs until they got their factories up and demand starts coming up. But what I, I can tell you, though, is during these two months, I, I've been on, on average, one significant conference call a week on this topic. So I, I don't think management has slowed down their discussions and their planning. It's the execution that is going to be delayed a little bit.
0: Yeah, yeah. I my I, uh, I guest on my uh, previous show, uh, you know, we talked about that, and I think we're we're fortunate where we are in the EV revolution. If it was ten years ago when a lot of EV, uh, OEMs weren't in the business, I think COVID might have pushed their R and D back years. But, yeah, well said. But the fact that we're so deep into it now, they can't turn back.
1: Agree. Well said. The capital has been committed. And so now you got to keep going.
0: Okay, Jeff, uh, thanks so much for joining us. It was really, uh, really enlightening to listen to uh, what you guys are doing. It's, uh, you know, I think we're all excited to see brand new EVs. But it's, it's important to think about, you know, in 10, 20 years, what's going to become of that vehicle. And it's, it's nice to hear that you guys are on it. Speaking with guests like Jeff Haltrek always underscores the broad scope and depth of the electric vehicle revolution. It's easy to get entranced by the shiny new EVs rolling into showrooms and lose sight of the many offshoot industries created by the explosion of electric vehicles coming to market. Of course, there is nothing new about battery recycling. As Jeff noted, his company has been doing it for a quarter century, but there is certainly something new about end-of-life management of electric vehicle batteries. As our discussion revealed, there are challenges with it, but also great opportunities. Likewise, Jeff's comments on the social responsibilities surrounding the production of EV batteries, particularly as they pertain to the mining of the minerals required to produce those battery packs, underscore the realities of what many EV acolytes refer to as clean technology. The bottom line is that creating any kind of energy to propel a vehicle comes with it an environmental cost. The key to the future is minimizing that cost. For more on Call to Recycle, check out the company website at calltorecycle.ca. And the 2 is the numeral 2, not T-O. That's it for this episode. Thanks to my guest Jeff Haltrek, producer extraordinaire Dar Mokwana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin@postmedia.com. at postmedia.com. For your daily dose of automotive news, views, and reviews, be sure to check out driving.ca. And to ensure you never miss a new episode or to listen to previous episodes, subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts.